I'm Alan Kogan. Join me as I share samples of whiskey with my guests and get to know them better. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. Nate Hogg, how's it going, buddy? Hey, man. It's good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. It's nothing like a whiskey sample. <laughs> well, before we get started, I always ask for uh, my guests to give me a brief bio. So who is Nathan Hogg? The myth, the man, the legend, Nate Hogg. Old as fuck. Worn out. He's hurt. <laughs> met you in met you in Milwaukee. I live in Oshkosh now. Good old Wisconsin. And you're a, you're a father now too. How's that? Uh, how's that change your yeah. life? Oh God, changes everything, man. It's like you you have priorities and they're no longer priorities. It's, it's your kid. That's right. Yeah. Is so. it go? Yeah, I mean you love it though. You enjoy it. Oh, wouldn't wouldn't trade it for anything. Definitely recommend. Well, speaking of being a father and having everything juggling around in your life, uh, how about we taste some bourbon? Hell yeah, I'm here for it. I really like the, the smoky stuff too. <laughs> well, I didn't send that to you. <laughs> well, you and I shared a quite quite a bit of bourbon together uh, over the few last years as uh, we've gotten more into you know tasting bourbon together. And you know that I'm a big whiskey nerd. So, but I'm curious if you know anything about bottle and bond. Have you? You've, I'm sure you've seen that on a bottle or a, a box before. You know, I've seen it. But I can't tell you what exactly it means. I just figured it was you know something to get me to buy it. Yeah. Uh, it is nowadays. It, it, it still means something, but um, back in the day, uh, when when bourbon first started becoming a thing, and there's actually laws in place that you know make bourbon what it is, um, it was it was a, 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 an agreement between the government and distillers that said, "Hey, we're making something good. This is being bottled in bond with the United States government. It's like USDA approved or prime meat, right? So this is being checked by the government. It's good to go." And back then, the government was much more liked and credible and trustworthy. And we were we, we could go to the store, we could buy something, and we would know what we were getting because it had that stamp of approval from from the government. And bottled and bond has a couple of requirements. One of them being, it has to be at least fifty percent. So every bottle and bond you'll find is at least a hundred proof, and it has a bunch of other requirements as well. One of those requirements being that you actually give a key to the the uh, the rack house where you're storing all these barrels to age. You give a key to Uncle Sam so that they can come in and inspect whenever they want to. Oh man! They also tax at a different rate. Um, it's a, uh, it's kind of a thing. But that that used to be just to make sure that people weren't like selling turpentine and trying to you know fuck people over. But now it's translated more into the marketing game where it's almost like a tradition. You have a legend, a legendary word and and, and marketing play. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's what that is. That's way more trust in the government than I'd ever go. <laughs> well, yeah. Nowadays, it's, we don't give a shit. <laughs> but it's it's crazy because there there are quite a bit of whiskey uh, whiskey distilleries that used to bottle in like ceramic that you couldn't see through, mm. and that law and a lot of that stuff changed with Tennessee whiskeys and bourbons that that they hey we're gonna sell our bottle with clear a clear glass so you can see what we're selling you it's clear or you know you can it's it's not as foggy as you'd expect turpentine to be and. Uh, the government signed off on it, so everyone bought it. And now it's just, uh, I mean, the government sucks, so everyone wants them out of the whiskey business. <laughs> right. So still to this day, they have to give a key to the, the storage facilities and stuff? That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's kind of a formality. It's not as, like, serious, and they don't do as many checks and audits as they used to, but it's mm -hmm. it's definitely more of a, like, a, a yeah, I've, I've actually seen there's, like, bottled and bond ceremonies where they hand a, 
like a key to the city type of thing. Mm-hmm. And they give it to the the local, the local county representative or the marshal of the city in the old west, and they say, "You have a key to our distillery, <laughs> and you can't you can't open or taste or whatever any of those barrels unless that representative is, is aware of that." So I'm oh. sure nowadays you could just do a Zoom call. They don't care, but they have to know. That's the that's the government entity that Alan Cogan needs to get into. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a great position. I just I have, I, I I have go control out. over all of whiskey that's made in the United States. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. All right, well, just general tasting instructions, right? You've probably done this with me before, but just when when you take that first sip, especially your first sample, it's it's going to burn a little bit. It's it's a higher proof, so be prepared for that. But uh, it'll once you take that second sip, that's where you get all the flavors and the aromas. And never sniff a glass like you're sticking your nose in it, just a huffing paint. You just want to just a little waft and and keeping your mouth open, let those vapors go through. They're just little tiny tricks that help you taste and sample whiskey better. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there of people who like put it in their mouth and they they don't swish it, they chew it. They chew on the whiskey to make it kind of go through their mouth and, and different parts of their mouth have different flavor receptors. It's might some of it's bullshit. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the videos of wine sommeliers getting duped by cheap wine. Oh, it's a wonderful wine. Yeah, I got it for five bucks at Aldi's. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh, so we're gonna we're gonna start with this one, uh, Haven Hill. It's a seven-year bonded bonded bourbon. It's a classic Kentucky bourbon. Pays tribute to the earliest days of Haven Hill's uh, history, and it came out in 1939 when they had their first bottle in bond um, bottle. The Haven Hill brand became quickly one of the number one selling um, Kentucky bourbons. Still crafted the same way. The distillery still stands. I think it's one of the largest distilleries in Kentucky. I think Jim Beam might have taken over for the most sales. Um, but Heaven Hill is one of the largest and owns a bunch of other sub-brands. So Evan Williams, um, which you toured with me, uh, Old Fitzgerald, they're owned now by Heaven Hill. It's kind of a big conglomerate. Um, and uh, This seven-year bourbon is one of my favorites. It, it, it's kind of a mellow example. You take a bonded bourbon and you have a much more mellow-aged uh, bourbon to it, a bourbon that doesn't have as much burn to it because it's been aged. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of bonded bourbons are only like four years. The ones that we'll sample afterwards are a little bit higher in hotness, <laughs> I like to say. But uh, this one's a little bit more exclusive to find. They only release it once in a while, and it's uh, around 50 bucks if you can, can find it. But it's a good bottle. I, I found it on accident, and I'm like, oh, I need that on my shelf because it's delicious. Mm. So, um, But yeah, man, cheers. Cheers. Enjoy it. Yeah, it's delicious. It's... Uh... It has the burn, like you said. It has that sweetness I really like out of a out of a bourbon. Um, yeah, definitely something I'll put on my shelf eventually. To me, this is like a lot of. It's a very classic bourbon with like vanilla and caramel notes, but it's got a lot of spice to it too. It's like a like a rye bread or baking spices. It's. It's also a lot stickier, so it's that sweetness I think is actually more accented by the age. You get a lot of the wood caramels and wood sugars more in mm. the seven-year aging process. It's a little overpowering with barrel taste to me. It tastes a little wooded, a lot of wood tannins, but it's I don't know. It's 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 good. It's just it's uh, one of their trademark seven-year bonded bourbons. Um, but yeah, I didn't get as much it's, wood out of it as you know something like a, like a Johnny Walker or something like that. But yeah, I, I can get the wood out of it now. You say it. What's gonna be cool is when we when we kind of taste these back to back, you'll see how different they are. Um, 
especially because they're all bourbons. To me, a lot of bourbons are very simplistic in their flavor profile. Caramel, vanilla, toffee. But it's bourbon, so I drink it. <laughs> right. <laughs> something something different from the from pouring off the scotch shelf. Right, right. And I see I could have sent you the smokiest scotches and you would loved it. I kinda of thought your asshole self would have, but you didn't. <laughs> you probably didn't want me to say, that, well, this tastes like shit for everything that I tasted, so <laughs> Yeah, well there's a new one that came out that uh that Grant and I actually just tried. It's Ardbeg's uh Bizarbecue. It's a it's a scotch that's designed to pair with barbecue. Ah, oh, I saw that on and your Insta. Yeah, yeah. You'd still you'd still hate it because it has the peat smoke, but they've actually kind of tailored it more towards like a charcoal smoky flavor. Um, so it's a little bit of a, I don't know. It, it, I want to try it with like actual steak or or ribs. It might be kind of good. I mean, I'm not saying that I'll never have it, and I'll never that I'll never enjoy it. Like, you you got to give me the right circumstances, you know. Oh yeah, I got to lube you up first. Yeah, drinking drinking the heavily peated stuff out of a paper cup is not going to do it for me though. I usually do a styrofoam cup. (laughs) (laughs) Nathan Hogg. Haug. How do you pronounce it? Because I know it's Haug, but we all call you Hogg. Yeah, it's it's Haug. Um, I think it's just, uh, I don't really correct a lot of people, and it's not that big of a deal to me. So, yeah. Haug, Hogg, whatever. I'm going to call you Hogg. That works. Or Nate. Sure. Just don't call me late for dinner because I eat a lot. <laughs> when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Fuck, I didn't think I'd make it this far, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so so growing up, I, I uh, early on, I, I definitely wanted to go in the army and uh, kind of kind of follow my dad. My dad was in the infantry. My mom was a a, a medic, so they were both um, army. Um. And then uh, I actually didn't go in the army. I went in the Air Force instead. I don't know. I never really had any ambitions to be like a doctor or anything like that. I I, I liked playing with computers. I liked uh, doing like CAD programming. So I knew I was either going to like IT or uh, like do sort of like CAD engineering after after the Air Force. But I went the IT route. Okay. You're in IT now? I'm in IT now. I'm a SQL developer for a company out of Atlanta. Yeah, I know you were... Uh... You were in the Air Force for a brief time, and tell me a little bit more about that, because I, I know I know we talk about it quite a bit, and especially me now serving in the Army. Uh, you know, I, I, I you, I've heard you talk quite fondly of some you know time that you were there. So I, I mean, what drew you to serve? Why'd you want to do that? Um, because it got me the hell out of Wisconsin. Um, uh, you're pretty familiar with that one, right? Uh, yeah, it's just military just kind of drew me in just because you know rank and file and just kind of the drill and ceremony and stuff like that and then you know you talk to the recruiter and they'll they'll sell you on like uh you know you're gonna learn you're gonna learn a career which will carry you into retirement and it'll be great and then you get there and it's like well this isn't what you told me it was so that's cool (laughs) i get that (laughs) no but i I had a blast man i I was part production in the air force so I, i ran generators um for backup and primary power uh, we did barriers, so like the aircraft arresting systems, like you see on the on the Navy ships. We just did that for like a uh, backup to catch our jets if they had like a in-flight emergency, like a brake failure, hydraulics, or something like that. Um, sure, sure. 
And then we did some light carts every once in a while too. So just kind of like small engine kind of work. Nice. I did a uh, three years in Germany, which was the best fucking assignment I've ever had. And then I did a year in New Mexico, which is the worst fucking place to go after you've been in Germany. <laughs> so. We're in Mexico. Um, Hol- not Mexico, New Mexico. Oh, New Mexico. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Holloman Air Force Base, which is uh, just outside of Alamogordo. Kind of by okay. Las Cruces. Um, yep. El Paso. El Paso area. It's like an hour from El Paso. Do you miss it? Um, sometimes. <laughs> I miss the miss the people. I miss the purpose. Um, I don't miss the bullshit. So I guess they take it or leave it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, I mean I mean I joined the I joined the army late, so I'm now serving the beginning of my career, but <laughs> You're not that late, I, man. I, well <laughs> compared to people who are serving with I am. Oh yeah, yeah. But no, it's it's uh you know there's there's stuff that I love about it there's stuff that I hate I hate about it it's a job it is what it is but um, I just want to get my beard back so either they need to change the regulations <laughs> to Civil War era stuff or I will have to just leave at some point. Well, you can just claim your what um, Norse? Norse Norse yeah yeah that's yeah, pretty I'm awesome. Liking. I might I think I have to have a tra- like a track record of the fact that you're actually practicing. It can't be that hard to do. Uh, yeah, I will see. I'll look into it. But it's worth the beard, I, I think. Yeah, <laughs> the disrespect from others. <laughs> <laughs> if money wasn't a barrier or a concern, if there was no obstruction to doing what you wanted to do or what you loved, how would you spend your time? What would you do? Um, so I I currently use the VA for like my healthcare, um, and I just I know a lot of people that have done a lot more than I have. I would definitely uh get into like some more volunteer opportunities. Like I win, I win the mega millions tonight and I'm, I'm calling and quitting tomorrow. I'm done. I get it. I do it for the money and not for the purpose or the, you know, the satisfaction of what I do. So I would definitely right. get into like volunteering and working with uh, PTSD and try to re- try to do as much as I could to, re- to reform the VA system. And you know, if I can throw money at anything, that's probably where I'd start. And that's one thing. That's one thing I grapple with too. Is I, I left the nonprofit sector, and I want to get back to it at some point. But I'm kind of just playing the money, and, and I, I want to buy a home soon and do all those things kind of game. So it's like, well, I guess I'll sell my soul to the devil for a little bit and make some good money, and then eventually get back to it or start a nonprofit or do something. I, I've 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 thought about. I've tried to grant about this and others about maybe blending my what we're doing here and maybe like podcast is kind of like everyone does it now. So maybe we move it into more like of a, of a, a trying to reach out to homeless because I worked with uh, the courthouse quite a bit in Milwaukee and I loved working a lot of people who are veterans people who are homeless people who had a lot of addiction issues and it's like man I'm, I think I was making 30,000 a year in Milwaukee with barely any benefits and that was barely paying the bills and it was great work it was fulfilling I loved going to work I love working with people but I had to pay my own life and get my life off the ground and it's it sucks, but I love that kind of stuff. So yeah, the Absolutely. VA would be up my, on my top too. I think a sad realization there though is like, some people don't want to be helped, man. That's true. That's true. That's why we drink. <laughs> well, that's the thing is I can't do a whiskey podcast if uh, I'm having veterans on with uh, drinking issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, if I guess money wasn't a concern to me, I'd just be drinking more bourbon. I could buy more bottles and not worry about it. 
Next up for tasting, this is, uh, I know you'll love this one, and it actually fits because it, it is, it's my nickname for you. Mm. <laughs> Doesn't say old fucker on it. <laughs> it's close enough. Old Granddad, owned by Basil Hayden, and uh, there was a distiller, his name was Basil Hayden. He made Old Granddad. Jim Beam eventually bought them up, and now Jim Beam makes all the Basil Haydens, the Knob Creeks, the Old Granddads, etc. Um, but this is a classic high rye bourbon. I'll talk about the, what that means, but mm. it's a little bit of context. So Basil Hayden Sr., way back in the day, he was known as Old Granddad to hit the generations after him. Uh, he made a bourbon that was unique and, and had never been seen on the scene before. Most bourbons are just corn and um, some other, you know, uh, grains just to supplement the corn. Usually are high in corn, like 80% corn, but they're required to be 51% corn by law. So corn is cheap, right? You can get rye, add that into uh, your bourbon. You have a high rye bourbon. So it tastes more like a rye, but it still is a bourbon because of the, the mash bill makeup. A lot of high ryes are around 30 to 40% plus that 51% corn. And it gets a very, like a spicy note and almost tastes like a, a spiced pepper, right? Um, a lot of people mistaken that spiciness for heat on the whiskey. So it's, a, it's already high proof, right? But you have that spice on your tongue and you think, ah, it's just alcohol, right? You, you don't kind of take, take a step back and understand that that's just pepper. That's, that's actually the note in the whiskey. A lot of ryes are that way. People are kind of offended by how spicy it seems to be. Um, it's not the alcohol content. It's, it's the spice. Uh, but Old Granddad, is, it, was, it was named by his uh, grandson, Colonel R.B. Hayden, who started the uh, distillery uh, later in his life with his granddad's recipe, made Old Granddad as a cheaper alternative to a bunch of other whiskeys that were out there. Um, it was first bottled in 1882, and nothing's changed about it. Jim Beam to this day still uses the same process and the same recipe that they did back then. Now, Old Granddad has three offerings, and uh, there's the 80 proof, the 100 proof, which is what we have right now, the bonded, and the 114 proof, which is great in a cocktail. I like higher proof stuff in a cocktail because it gets cut down by a lot of other flavors and shit. But so what we have is a hundred dollar or hundred proof um, bonded version. It's one of my go-to bottles. It's cheap. It's roughly twenty to thirty dollars on the on the bottom shelf. Um, and I love the fact that this is the bourbon of all bourbons that that disproves that uh, the price does not affect the quality. It has a very simplistic label. It, it's on the bottom shelf. It has a twist-off cap. It doesn't even have a, uh, it, some of them have a cork, but some have a twist-off cap. And you think, oh, that's just cheap, you know, bourbon on the, on the bottom shelf. No, this is great. This is actually good quality bourbon. It's just made in a way that's cheaper than a lot of the high upper brands that you spend a lot of money in marketing and fancy bottle shapes. So I know I've had this with you, um, but this is, I, I had to include this with the bottle and bond section and it, it's a good, great sipper or it's great in cocktails. I will always have this on my shelf, especially for the price. So if you're new to bourbon and you want to try something that's just strictly bourbon, classic bourbon with a little rye spice in it, this is a good starting point. Outstanding. I'm looking forward to this one. I've, I've had this and it's just, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I can see where people think that the, like the, the peppery taste is, uh, it brings out the alcohol a little bit, but it's, it's, I like it. It's a good thing for me. It's very different. I think this is the first time I've had this next to the Heaven Hill, of like a very different bourbon recipe. And it is very different. 
Mm. See, this is why I like doing this because like bourbon, bourbon isn't my go-to. I like bourbon, but I like Scotch more because they're all complex in different ways. Yeah, doing doing bourbon side by side, you get more out of each bourbon because it's like to me, this is just bourbon, and then I try it next to something else, and it's like, oh, this is different. Yeah, I think it's not it's not as sweet of uh, a bourbon as I would think of. You know, like I reach for bourbon, but like mm-hmm. you said, this is going to be a high rise. That's so going to be a little bit more spicy than sweet. It's got a lot of like a smoky oak mm-hmm. um, and it's got that vanilla, the, the, the classic vanilla and caramel and this one actually sticks a little bit on the mouth it sticks on my teeth a little bit um, but it's not as sweet oh that's so good though I love Old Granddad I, I, I will swear by a $20 bottle of Old Granddad over hundreds of dollars versus, of, of great bourbons I swear to god yeah mm. if it's a bourbon that was much more than this then I, I would take this one over it yeah it's a testament. Have you had the 114? I'm sure you've seen it. I haven't bought it. It just feels like something that would just punch me in the face. <laughs> it's it, it goes for around 30 to 35 ish, depending where you get it. But it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty good. It's it's worth it's worth trying. It's the same flavor. It's just a little more of a punch in the mouth with the alcohol. I mean, I put it in a cocktail. That's what I do with. Yeah. It's a good bourbon old fashioned. There you go. Mm. Probably a little cheaper than getting a bottle b- bullet for the old fashions. Since we're trying old granddad. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> since we're trying old granddad, what's something about younger generations that just piss you off? Oh, fuck, man. Um, you know, I'm subject to it as well. I think the addiction to cell phones is getting bad. Um, I spend a lot of time on my phone as well, so it's not just that generation, but it's, it's predominantly kind of showing up because they've been born into it. Um, and then, uh, you know, if I have to pick something else. It's it's definitely the the way that they talk. It's a it's a whole new language, man. That's I no, get it. No cap. No cap and sus and uh, bussin', bruh. Yeah, like like bro was pretty big um, when I was when I was coming up, but it's just bruh, bruh. With me being in the army now and 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 having joined as kind of as an as an older lieutenant and commissioning a little later, there, there's still people who are around my age and a little older, but the majority of them are fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. And it's my only real time I've actually had to spend with a lot of people younger than me. Even at basic, there were a lot of 18, some 17 year olds who uh, were there with me and I was 27. And that had to be one of the most unique challenges. It was dealing with them and how to problem solve and work together as a team because some of them are just, they're not, they don't know any better and Mm. and they're idiots. So it's like, man, I I don't know. It's uh, some of the, some of the respect just the maturity is is slower. The respect to to, to uh, higher people, whether I mean, not just in rank for military, but just in general to elders, to people who you don't know. Please and thank you. I, don't know, I, I was raised different. I mean, I didn't I didn't have it, man. I didn't I didn't find the manners <laughs> and the, the discipline until I got the basic training and the guys coming from like. So I went to basic training in two thousand six. So the guys mm-hmm. that uh were part of the invasion of of uh, Afghanistan originally. Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, those were the guys that were my my drill sergeants, and they they were definitely there 
to train people to replace them downrange. That was their mission. And they're start they're just starting to get like the first taste of PTSD. Um, oh yeah. And, you know, different every, every every generation has it. Shell shock. Um, I don't know what they called it in, in like World War Two or anything like that, but those uh, those staff sergeants, tech sergeants, they're they're definitely fresh fresh from Iraq and Afghanistan, trying to trying to teach the next generation, and they they did a pretty good job of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's one of my concerns about this this stuff right now, not just military, but just in general, culture wise. Like there, I feel like, and maybe it's just me, but a lot of people just like to learn the hard way, and. Maybe it's good that I think they people do. have to learn the hard. Some people have to learn the hard way. People like my yeah. personality, like you know, was Beastie Boys it says, "Fuck you, I'm not gonna do what you told me." So that, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's right. I think they have. People have to learn the hard way sometimes, but it sucks. I mean, that's a classic quote that hard times make soft men, soft men make hard times, and it's just or whatever it is. And it's just a cycle too. Yeah, and. We're, I think we're on a, in an interesting place with that. I, I, I hope, obviously, nothing happens, but um, that's why we drink, to cope with younger generations being stupid and older generations making my housing expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're complaining about the younger generation, and I'm, I'm blaming the boomers for a lot of this shit, so. How, where do you, do you fall in the millennial, or are you, oh, are you just above? Yeah. Okay. They 80, change it every year. so. Okay. I identify more as a millennial anyway, so you know, in the in the, the age of being able to identify as whatever fuck you want, I guess I'm a millennial. <laughs> I want to identify as rich. <laughs> the next one I hope is one I can bring you to in North Carolina one day. Mm. It's a uh, Fisher's uh, Bottle and Bond, CB Fisher's, and it's a. Uh, I'm actually going to read the back of the bottle because uh, it's, it's a fun little anecdote. But they're made uh, at Fainting Goat Spirits in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I've been there quite a bit. They have a, a cool little distiller, distillery. They have a cool little story, little craft distillery. Um, they finally released their bottled and bond bourbon. They've been making American whiskey and rye whiskey for the last few years, but they finally released this. And they actually have a one that I haven't gotten a hold of yet. It's, it's a bourbon uh, that's aged in maple syrup barrels. Mm. So it has that sweetness on it. I'm like, oh, I need that. I need, I need that in my life. <laughs> this is what they have in the back of the bottle about C.B. Fisher. So C.B. Fisher led men to battle, gambled his life savings on a gold mine, turned swampland into playgrounds, and left a mark everywhere he went. As a result, uh, streets, neighborhoods, and city parks bear his name. The legend of his adventures gathered strangers together. Strangers became friends. Friends became family. And for that, we created our whiskey in his honor. Our grain glass bottled in bond bourbon is handcrafted from North Carolina corn and aged in new American oak, white oak barrels. Once matured, our barrels are hand-selected by our master distiller, marrying notes of toasted pecans, ripe honey crisp apples, brown butter, and warm fall mulling spices. Our bottled in bond bourbon hopes to bring you together uh, over your own tall tales and cocktails. History made by hand by people who give a damn. Outstanding. I'll let you be the judge of the flavors and profiles, but the... Uh, this has won quite a bit of awards in its first couple of years. I think it started, I'm trying to remember when it started. I think it came out right before the pandemic. I have one of the first batches they made. And this is this is the last few little pours that we have. I have one more pour in the bottle. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's great. And 
It's a little small, uh, cozy distillery that has an incredible tour and tasting experience, very personable. And I, like I said, they make American Ryan whiskey and American whiskey and rye. They also have gin and vodka. And I'll tell you what, I'm not a big gin person, but I love their gin. A lot of craft. Is this the gin your, your wife is absolutely just uh, over the moon about? Yes, it's yeah, Anna loves it. It's uh, Emulsion. It's only available in North Carolina and one bar in Chicago. Fucking figure that out. But uh, <laughs> it's it's great. It's, it's, it's a really good gin. And a lot of craft uh, distilleries make, obviously, whiskey as their primary, but then they dabble in vodka and gin because they're just so easy to make. And they can make, you know, they can sell it. So, uh, unfortunately, their distribution is limited in North Carolina for their whiskey. And they've earned a lot of attention in the recent years, a lot of accolades. So I'm sure they might ramp up their distro eventually. Um, a lot of these small places tend to just stick closer, especially with the, the first like 10 years they're in operations. It's expensive to do it. Um, but you could probably find it online, probably for a premium on, uh, with shipping to somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it's it's probably one of the most unique bourbons I've ever had. And especially next to these, I haven't I haven't tried it yet, but I bet it's I bet it's pretty pretty different. So cheers, buddy. Cheers. I'm looking forward to this one. Ooh. Hmm. That's uh, uniquely delicious. Yeah. So when we when we toured, I think it was Evan Williams. They had one that was like very unique, and this kind of reminds me of that. I I don't. I'm sorry. I don't remember what it was. You know what I'm talking about? Was it the uh, was it the square six? Yeah, yeah, that was like their exper- experimental, uh-huh. um, whatever. Yeah, it's just like oaky. Just has a lot going on. It, it has the sweetness that I almost require for me to really, really enjoy a, a whiskey. Um, I have a sweet tooth. I don't really. It's, I gravitate towards sweetness. I guess. Yeah, I. I I get what I got a lot of on this is uh, the corn. Yep. So I don't know the uh, I don't know the makeup of this whiskey, but I'm I'm assuming it's a high in corn, probably in the 80 percentile of corn. Part of the bottle and bond requirement is aged four years. I don't know. It's very different. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. I love this. This is that's that's probably why this is. Uh, well, I won't ruin I won't ruin the suspense of when we rate them. So oh wait. <laughs> See, coming off that old granddad with all that rice spice, it's fire. It's 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 so it's so opposite. Yeah. Mm. Well, so any more all the more reason for you to come down to North Carolina. Oh, for sure. It'd be, it'd be a fun trip. I get a lot of uh, like green apple on the nose too. Oh, that's interesting. I guess I can see that. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't be able to pinpoint it, but. You yeah. definitely must have a, a more sophisticated nose than I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about reference points, right? I, I, I just I've have I've had a lot of whiskey now. It's like I know I know kind of what to look for, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like a, it's a, the sweetness is much more like brown sugary and and mapley than it is just basic vanilla or. Uh, yep. But I yeah I I love this one so. Um. Yeah, that, that corn, that's that's definitely uh, why this brings me back to that, that square six you were talking about. That was just like, man, this is just so much different than any other whiskey we've sampled this entire weekend. Yeah. 
and I was I kind of kicked myself for not buying a bottle of it, but oh well. It was it was kind of pricey. Yeah. No, and I, I wish I had that next to me so I could, we could compare it. That'd be great. Next time. Next time. Yeah. That, was a, that was a fun tour, though, man. If you're ever in... Uh, that was good. Where are we? Louisville. Louisville. If you're ever in Louisville, have been Williams' experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, probably probably one of the best tours I've ever been on. You walk through the experience, you see all the things. It's like a history tour. This podcast is sponsored by Evan Williams. <laughs> no, I wish one day we get a box, <laughs> a box of bourbon back here. If you were president for 24 hours in our current structure, what would you do? As president, I will finish building the wall. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> man, I only get 24 hours though. That's, that's the tough part. Cause I could, you know, we could start talking about like, government waste and spending like that and you know shit that would affect my taxes because you know I'm, I'm already upset about the taxes I pay because I'm old like that um, but I couldn't get that done in 24 hours I'd have to do all the stuff I'm curious about um, right declassifying a lot of shit um, you know just kind of figuring out what's actually out there in in every every aspect you know like uh what have we proven is out there? What kind of what kind of secret projects do we have? Yeah, um, can't tell me that we're not trying to keep up with like uh, space space shit, right? Right. Because that's the next frontier. That's why we have space force. Right. Right. So. See, I. So far, I mean, all the answers I've gotten so far have been interesting. Grant Grant has kind of been my favorite. He just wanted to be Kevin McAllister going through the house because his parents are gone. Mm. Just go different countries, call different people, tell LeBron James to go fuck himself. And like you're, you're the president. You have contacts. You could just call a press, press conference and have fun. Yeah, because, I mean, sitting president has the most power in, like, foreign affairs, so... I think I'd I think I'd go for a lot of fun rides and a lot of different jets. There you go. Cause so when I was in the Air Force they they would do um incentive rides. So if the base commander got a got got wind of any anything happening that was, you know, above and beyond, which was never me, I was never above and beyond. I was just plain. I was just you know, it meets expectations. Mm. Um they would get like a an incentive flight where you get to go up in an F-16. Um, and they, they always had the video and these guys always passed out. Cause you know, the first time that you, you experience negative G's, you, you don't stand a chance. So yeah, I would definitely see how many times I could go up in a plane in 24 hours. So let's, uh, let's, let's rank these. I guess just give me, give me, give me your general thoughts and distillation. What, walk me through what you thought of each one, and uh, what do you? How do you rank them? What, what's your number one? Well, starting at the bottom, I think. I got to think about this a little bit for my number one. Uh, sorry, Alan. I got to put Granddad at the bottom. Ooh. Yeah. It's uh, it's good. Oh. It's it's good. It's something I would sit there and drink with you all night and have a good conversation. But it's yeah. out of these three. It's uh. It's the one that I, I like a lot, but the least a lot, you know. Um, hmm, man. I gotta 
saved a little yeah, bit just a- for this purpose. That's that's why I gave you so much. <laughs> oh, you just wanted to see me drunk. <laughs> yeah, my man. That Heaven Hill is just okay. I think uh, Fisher's is gonna be my number one, just because I like the uniqueness of it. I yeah. like the I like the high corn. I like the the unique notes that it has. Um, and Heaven Hill's right behind it, just because like the sweetness and it's uh. It's also very delicious. Where, where are you at? I think... I think I have... Fisher's number one as well. Hmm. Um, this is much more of a bourbon to me. What I think of bourbon, what I, when, I, when, I, when I look at my shelf and I'm like, I want to have a bourbon. This is what I grab. Mm-hmm. But it's frustrating because I don't have much of it, so I have to limit myself to if like experiences like this or when I have a friend over when I share uh, share a bourbon. Um, so it's number one for for flavor and taste and 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 what, like what I look for. Um, but but old granddad is my number two for this lineup. However, old granddad is my number one for just overall accessibility. Yeah, I can I can give you that one. Like I can find that anywhere. Right. Yeah, you're gonna find it at, at the every liquor store. Yep. I mean, at the price point, I'm comparing it to like, it's not even Jameson, man. What, like, no, some cheap Jim Beam, maybe. So, for for reference too, I, I know we talked about a, a little bit, but so this bonnet is about 20, 20, 20 between twenty and thirty, um, depending on the day and where you're going. Mm-hmm. But they they're eighty proof, they're lesser proof. You could I've found it for eleven bucks. Yeah, and it's phenomenal so i don't know it's my number two for this lineup because fisher's just is so unique and, and very good and uh they deserve all the accolades they're getting but heaven hills is sadly number three and it's not because it's bad it's just it's 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 different and not in the way that i like bourbon that's fair so you and i definitely have different palettes for whiskey yeah and, and i I, ex- I accept you for it you know just because you're not right doesn't mean that you're wrong so hey a good whiskey is a whiskey you enjoy (laughs) exactly (laughs) now if you pulled out some you know some coke and and uh started mixing right here that'd that'd be a little offensive but you know no i got some i got some canadian uh kirkland whiskey that i that i put my coke zero every once in a while but there you go one of, one of the things that I, I, I do want to get into more with this, and that's, that's why we have I mean, endless options. You see my shelf. You see what I have available. But I want to start getting into adding water and, and mixing more of, of that because that, the water really brings out the, the notes mm-hmm. in, in these whiskeys. Um, it's just kind of hard to facilitate, and we're, I'm learning how to do that. But, yeah. Yeah, that was really uh, that was really eye-opening. Like when we were in the, the tastings when we were in Louisville. Um, yeah. Do we have the dropper with the water? And the guy said it's not. It's not really for, like, it's not watering it down. It's not. It's not to take the bite off it. It literally changes, the flavor, with just yeah. a couple drops of water. Right. And that was really interesting to me. The, the the difference that it actually made. Right. Right. Yeah. I I do it all the time. I I have a little droplet that I just pop 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 and it, it changes everything. I mean mm-hmm. scotch too. I especially a higher strength. 
it, it, it opens it up quite a bit. So. so when you start talking about scotch, you have like cast strength, right? Which is so cast strength is in both. Every whiskey has cast strength. Okay. Cast strength just means it, it's coming out of the barrel as is. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of places will water down or, or or bring it down to a proof that's palatable for the general market, which is your eighty proof, forty percent ish. Um, a lot of whiskeys are required to go in the, at no no less than eighty proof. Mm. Um, yep. But your cast strengths are putting getting close to 120 proof 130 proof i mean i have i have a rye here that is 147 proof Oof. and it's I'm, that's I can't a, wait to try it that'll kick <laughs> yeah i tried one of your at your at your wedding it was uh it definitely had a punch to it i forget i'm sure it was expensive i don't know y'all drink some really <laughs> expensive uh scotch that weekend yeah we did <laughs> <laughs> but and i didn't like any of it because it was all super peated yeah. <laughs> well, you like that one that was uh, that that sherry that was aged twelve years in sherry. Oh like yes. Syrup. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. I like uh, Glen Meringue is still one of my favorite things that I've ever put in my mouth. Yep. Besides, oh never mind. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> we uh. So I I still have a couple pours of uh, that 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 uh that twelve year Edgador that sherried and and I have lots of Glen Meringue so. Mm. That's what this is for. That was the that was the first bottle of scotch that you ever bought me. It's a bottle of Glenmore. That's right. Then knocked the door. It's because I, I kicked our, our friend's ass at a 5K. Uh, that that friend uh, will never win a 5K, and I, I don't even know if the current competition is going on anymore. Is it? I mean, <laughs> he's he set the time. I, I have to. I got to run one. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna wait till the last day, like he did last time. <laughs> You'll beat him. You'll beat him. It's fine. I mean, it's like 45 minutes. How can I not? You can walk that. Speed walk. It's for bourbon. (laughs) My last question for my guests will always be reserved for my good friend, the late, great James Lipton. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? What do I want God to say? I mean, my first question would be, are you sure? Because like, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd want him to, you know, to tell me where the hookers and blow are, because that's definitely where we need to start. Because like, like we talked about, health is no longer a, a, an issue, right? So yeah, let's have um, it. Tell me where all the party favors are, you know, <laughs> the bowling alley, so we can see Alan kicks and ball returns. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I never kicked a ball return. I only hit it with my hand. <laughs> it's even worse, man. <laughs> well, I'm just keeping it honest. <laughs> That's a good question, though. I don't know. You know, I just want to. You know, I did enough. I took care of my family. Henry's Henry would be all right. That's all I really care at this point. See, being a father changed you in a good in, in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My wife keeps reminding me of that. Fatherhood changes people. That's why I have a dog. Yeah. And a cat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I won't I won't keep you, but I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate yeah. you doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I hope you hope you enjoyed the bourbon. Absolutely. I uh I I've always liked the samplings that you've that you've given me. Whether it be good or bad. 
<laughs> well, there's my, the next one will be all just Pete, and it'll just be you just grossed out. I'm I'm here for it. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll tell you what I really think of it. Perfect. Perfect. Well, cheers, brother. Thanks. Appreciate it. Gross. Thanks. <laughs>